All right. Well, hey, hey, happy Wednesday. Come on in. And let's grab a seat tonight. If you're watching on live stream, it's good to see you tonight also. But happy Wednesday. Good to be in church tonight. So come on in. Let's grab a seat and get ready tonight. So as we're getting ready, I got a couple announcements for you, okay? Ready? Two announcements. First off, first off tonight, during church, it's youth hangout. Hey, everybody. Are we here? There we go. All right. We got youth hangout during church tonight. And right when worship's over, you can follow Eric or Justice back there, okay? Also, kids' church obviously have to worship. So if your kid's in here and you don't know where they are, find them. How, how many of you are old enough? How many of you are old enough that when you were younger, every night at 10 o'clock, a commercial would come on TV that says 10 p.m. Do you know where your kids are? How many remember that? All right, so I'm telling you right now, it's 7 o'clock for worship. Do you know where your kids are? Anyway, so um, find your kids. Uh, with that, by the way, this Sunday night at 6 o'clock is Youth Hangout also. 5th to 12th grade, 6 o'clock right here. Be worshiped, the word, a little food for them. So I'll be here for that. Invite some friends out. And uh, last but not least, how many of you are coming Friday night to Love Your Marriage? Let me see. Okay. So let me give you one quick detail. The event starts at 6 o'clock, okay? We do have child care and we do have dinner, but we are going to open the food at 545. So if you want to come a little early and start to eat before 6, come at least by 5.45. If you come around 6, you'll still get to eat. But we'll eat a little bit, then get into the uh, conference that night. So we're excited for that. Margo uh, will be here Friday. She's not feeling the best today. So but pray for her. All right. Um, but anyway, we're looking forward to Friday night. It'll be a good time. So if you have any questions about Friday night, you can see me. Other than that, let's worship tonight. How about we stand on our feet and worship Jesus together?
Till my heart starts changing You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. 
would be one. He wasn't trying to come up with another plan. He didn't need another attack. He didn't need reinforcements. He wasn't pacing the floor. He knew that the battle had already been won and he was lounging around. He was, he was confident that they were going to win the battle. And that is the God that we serve. Exodus 14, 14 says that the Lord shall fight for you. You need only to behold still. You need only to hold your peace. And our God has already won the war. He's defeated death. There is nothing that the enemy can throw our way that he has not already conquered in the end. He has seen the end from the beginning. The tomb is empty. And he is sitting knowing that there is nothing that the enemy can throw our way that he does not already have won. Our great Every time it's all is better. 
everybody a chance to get their kids checked in at Kids Church and the youth downstairs for youth hangout. But while we're waiting, if you have something to give tonight, offering envelopes and chairs in front of you. And if you don't see one there, if you wave your hand around, one of the ushers will help you out. So this morning it was looking like spring and tonight we're back in the dead of winter, right? That's what happened today. I actually saw snow flurries for a minute when I was, I was just like, are you serious? Like really? But hey, it's, it's still February, so can't complain, I guess, right? All right. Uh, tithe and offering, if you have that, you can prep it. And if you want, uh, Laylee's got nerds down here. I'm sure she'll share those with you. If you need a sugar rest right before we start. Um, but as we give tonight, look, lots of good things are going on in the church and lots of good things are going on in the kingdom of God in our church. But, but your giving is what finances it. That's just honest truth. And everything we're doing from Love Your Marriage Friday night to Youth Hangout Sunday night to uh, even the lights on, you guys guys provide all the funds for that so i'm telling you that to let you know that i appreciate your giving and when you give and things like that happen you are part of the kingdom of god being advanced amen and you just never know how far now your service and your time and your volunteering but also your giving goes it goes well beyond our understanding right so as you give tonight uh you're helping god do things in our church through that amen let me pray over it. Lord, we thank you uh, to be able to come to your house, continue in our, our, our giving tonight, Lord. And I praise you uh, because you are the one who is always in front of us, making a way, providing for us, never leaving us, never forsaking us, but seeing us through in all things. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. So if you got it, you can bring it. Thanks, guys. Um, uh, before I turn, I actually asked Judah if he would come tonight and jump in our series on the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to sit tonight and let him share tonight. But before that, I do that, I, I hate to do this before I bring him up here, but um, I do need to give you a little bit of an announcement. Some of you guys uh, have been in our church long enough to know of our relations with the Botkins campus. And certainly we have our, our Kenton church and we have uh, our, our Dayton church as well as here in Urbana. But at the Bakken's campus uh, was a guy named Pastor Ed Ingram, and he had been part of Only Believe for 31 years, uh, for many, many, many years, the pastoral care pastor at the church. And uh, he passed away Monday night from a car accident. He was, he was rear-ended in Wapakoneta and uh, it took his life. So uh, actually, he was my coworker for 26 years. I saw him just about every day for 26 years. Uh, and being part of Only Believe. And, and Ed, Ed was, you, know, you always hear somebody say he was a good one. Ed was not only a good one, he was one of the best of the good ones. And uh, just a guy so full of wisdom. Just, just Monday morning, uh, we were in staff meeting and he was sharing about, he always shared his heart. And uh, last Friday night at Botkins, we had the Love Your Marriage uh, 
conference that we're doing here this Friday. And during Friday night, Love Your Marriage, some people came in off the street, off 75, saw the church lights on, were looking for food, looking for a hotel, looking, and Ed took care of them, you know, and set them up. And he was just telling us about it. And he was just sharing about, remember the need for kindness and love for those around us. Amen. And he was just sharing his heart. Then in the afternoon, he went on a visitation and, and uh, got rear-ended. So we were able to be with him after the fact uh, Monday night. But anyway, so Sunday afternoon, I'm telling you this, Sunday afternoon, if you, if you knew him, there are uh, visitation hours from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Botkins Church. Uh, the funeral is following. I'm officiating the funeral along with Pastor Tim over there. So that's what I'll be doing in the afternoon. But if you want to come, uh, if you know Pastor Ed or Regina, uh, Regina's been on the worship team over there as long as I've, I've been involved in Only Believe too. So great loss, but we know he's in the eternal reward, and we're thankful for that. So I don't want to put the downer out before we start, but I'll, I'll give you a, a up right here, right before I turn this over to Judah. So a uh, couple cool things. You know, Sunday at the end of church, two people gave their lives to Jesus. Did you know that? Isn't that cool? And then, and then I got a text Monday night. We had church-wide prayer Monday night, and somebody walked in the building and said, I need to give my life to Jesus while we were here praying. Well, I wasn't here, but the team told me about it. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Amen. So those are big wins. Amen. That's what we're about. We're about that. Are we not? All right, so I, I just gave you an up there. All right, Judah, come on up. Let's give Judah a hand as he comes up tonight. Sorry, I asked him to stay up there for just a second. There's something that's, uh, that's burning on me, and it kind of got born in that last song, that song about God being our great defender. There's some things in that song it says, you bring back the head of my enemy because you've already went before me into the battle that I may not even have known I was going to go into. And then you go before me and you come back and you've already defeated my enemy and you bring me the proof that he's been defeated. And then you call it my victory. You said, hey, here's your victory. He's already won it, see? And so I see, I'm saying this because it hits me when I see people still going through the same things that they've been going through for a long time. Maybe it was something that you had to go through and you're still carrying the weight and the burden of it. Maybe it just seems like things in life every day that keep happening and keep happening. Why? Because we have an enemy and that enemy wants to keep trying to defeat you every single day in life. But here's what we need to do. We need to establish that the word of God is our final authority that the word of God is truer than anything I've ever known, anything I've ever seen, and anything I've ever heard. I don't care what your experience has been. I don't care what the experience of somebody who's talked to you has been. The word of God is truer than anything I've ever seen. And when we establish that the word is our final authority, all the things that the enemy keeps throwing at us, all the things, the same thing maybe that he keeps doing over and over, it has no more power. How can you have power against the man who's already died? I've been dead and crucified with Christ. What are you going to come against me with? That's the worst thing you can throw, and that's already been thrown. I've been raised again. Amen? There's nothing he can use against you. There's nothing he can be successful with you against you. His, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? But they're mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. Last thing before I get into this, but when you have a thought that thought goes through your head and it's the same old thought you've ever had and it just keeps clenching you and keeps a hold of you inside take that thought captive 
How do I do that? Speak it. I'm, ta- I'm telling you guys, it happens to me. I, I, I take this thought captive in the name of Jesus. I put it under the obedience of Christ. You will not exalt yourself against my God for there is nothing higher than my God. And I, and I replace it with a promise. The promise that's been given, there's no, you know, no weapon formed against me that's gonna prosper. Take that thought that's been defeating you for so long, take it captive, cast it out and replace it with a promise of God because his word is the final authority, amen? Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Now you can go. Tonight's about kindness and goodness. Whoo. Um, all right. I'll get right into it here. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you're kind. We know that you've been kind to us and that you call us to be kind to others. We know that your goodness is overwhelming. We're only here because of your goodness, Lord. It's by your mercy that we're not altogether consumed. Thank you, Lord. When I look back over the issues in my life and the the experiences in my life, you look down and at some point before I was ever born, you said, I'm going to have that one. You chose me. You chose us. We didn't come here and be saved by accident or wherever we got saved. It wasn't by accident. It was by design. Because you love us. Because you're kind to us. And that causes thankfulness inside of us, Lord. So we give you thanks tonight for your kindness and your goodness. Go with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 6. It's important to note that the kindness that the Bible talks about is not really the same kindness as the world talks about. Right? The world says, be kind, right? We saw it all over with covid People wearing the shirts, wearing the mask, they said, be kind. And the idea behind that was if you were not wearing the mask or, you know, not following the status quo, then you weren't kind. And just like the problems with the world that they seem to do every now and again when they take the definition of what God has called kind and they redefine it as whatever they want to call it to be kind, they say, well, if you're not doing this, then you're not kind. If you're not doing this, then you're being hateful, harsh, well, I can read in the word several times. We know Jesus was the epitome of kindness. He was the fullness of kindness. He is, right? But I can read several places in the word where Jesus wasn't showing the kindness that the world would call kind. Jesus stood up in front of the Pharisees and all the people that were there, and he said, and he's talking to uh, sinners. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, which were there listening, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the Pharisees, hearing that, I'm sure got upset. And they could have started, I'm sure they did start the the rumors, the lies about the Lord. Well, listen to him. Listen to how harsh he is. is He's not even a kind person. He's not even kind to those around. He's trying to say, he showed kindness on the cross, right? Because he prayed for them. As they walked by, it says, the the word says that they walked up and they, the King James says, wagging their heads, right? I always get a picture of that, like wagging their heads. I don't know. I hear that. That's how it had to go, right? They said it for, but, you know, saying, well, you are the son of God. You are the Christ. You saved others. Save yourself. If you are the son of God, save yourself, right? Again, they're trying to define that definition of the son of God by what they think it should be. And we all know he is the son of God. Luke 6, 35. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, 
and you'll be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. All right. Think about your day. Think about today. Think about this week. Have you chosen to be kind to the unthankful and evil? You know, for me, unthankful is just as hard as evil, right? I think of evil as like intentionally mean or bad or whatever to you, but unthankful is really hard because unthankful, when I think of unthankful, I think I'm doing something for someone and they should notice that and thank me, right? And when they don't, I'm I'm like, oh man, like like the other night, I, uh, what did I do, babe? I did something at the house. I made a big deal about it. Say again. Oh, yeah, yeah, I cleaned a bunch of, I just basically cleaned a bunch of stuff, like, right, not hard, but she came home, and she's like, oh, thanks, babe, and then kept walking, and I said, I don't think you gave that the, the amount of thankfulness that you should have given it, right, or something like that, and she, so she had to butter me, okay, thank you, honey, you know, or something like that, but inside, and, you know, obviously, that's, that's just being kind to a person that I love, the unthankful and the evil is a lot harder, but see, when we're not displaying that type of kindness, we're not walking in the fruit of the Spirit, right? We've been through some of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. These are the things that we're being called to. How, let me ask you, how are you judging your walk with the Lord if it's not by if you're growing in the fruit of the Spirit? Is it by your deeds? Because that ain't gonna get you nowhere. Right? We're called to good works under Christ, right? The word says that we, the Lord set up good works for us to do beforehand. Praise God. We're to walk in those things. But if you're judging your walk with the Lord, like, is it improving? Am I getting closer to him? Am I getting further? Am I just kind of staying still? It's by the fruit of the spirit. Are you growing? If you're not praying that you are growing in the fruit of the spirit daily, you should be. Because when I make a mistake and I show, uh, you know, unkindness, I'll say, where I should have shown kindness, then it's a check to me. I'm like, oh, man, still got to work on that. Still got to let the Lord work on that rather, right? Because he is so good, he shows kindness to the unthankful and the evil. So what happens when we don't do that? When we choose not to go to Ephesians 4, I'm going to throw a lot of scripture out here, guys, okay? It's not my words, it's his, so that makes it a lot easier. Ephesians 4, 25. Four twenty-five. One more. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and do not sin, not let the sun go down in your wrath, nor give place to the devil. I could preach on that one all day. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Take every thought captive. Don't let that word come out of your mouth. But what is good and necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve, here we go, the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be what? Kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we're seeing here how the Christian should act, but also how we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And I don't ever want to be in a place, and I know I am from time to time, Lord forgive me, where I'm in a place where I'm saying, God, come, 
come be with me, come hang out with me. And he says, I want to, but you're grieving me. I'm grieved by you because of where your heart's at in, you know, with this person or with that thing, when you haven't forgiven or when you haven't shown kindness or when you've chosen to just go ahead and be angry without a cause, I want to be near you, but you're, you're grieving me by this. Hey, if I live my whole life for his glory, if I live my whole life to please him, why would I not deal with those things, right? If you know there's anger in your life, rebuke that mess and replace it with kindness, right? It's up to us to call upon the Holy Spirit. You have to recognize what it is. You have to get rid of it. You have been given the authority to get rid of it. Jesus said, I've given you a a power over all the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Luke 10, 19, you can read it. He's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. Get rid of it. Take up kindness, lest you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Because when you come in here and you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God, guess who's affected? Us, right? Then I'm struggling. I'm sitting up here saying, man, what? God, I'm having all these thoughts go through my head. I'm feeling this. We call it, we like to call it breakthrough, right? I'm just, I'm not feeling this breakthrough. Like I'm trying to worship you. It's just like, running through mud with heels on. Not that I've ever done that, you know, but that's what it's like, right? It's because somebody hasn't dealt with something. We just read, we are in this together. We are to take up each other's burdens and help bear one another's burdens. Reach out to one another. Get through this. We can't stay where we're at. The church is moving. You understand? Not just this church, but the corporate church of God is on the move. If you look around, Got to see it, guys. We've got, we had to put extra chairs out the other day. Why? People are getting saved. We knew of three just in the last few weeks. People want the Lord. We're moving, and you got to come. Don't stay where you're at. If you're, being, or if you're grieving the Holy Ghost, get that mess out of there. Know it and do it. This takes work. You know how, you know how much work it is to take a thought captive 15, 20 times a day. I've had to do it. I do it. But it's much easier just to let it linger. Oh, that'll go away. But then what happens? It takes root. It's a seed. It takes root. The Bible talks about the sower, sowing, right? Casting seed. The enemy comes to steal it. You don't think the enemy's out casting seed? Trying to see where that seed will catch on and take root? Get it out of there. Replace it with kindness. Okay. Uh, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Here's one for you ladies. I'm not going to read. It's in, it's in um, Proverbs 31. Is that all right if I do that one, Lori? She's like, okay, you give me the eye. So. <laughs> Proverbs 31. Here, you can put it, if you don't mind, maybe put it up there, uh, Kelly. Proverbs 31, 26. You guys know Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, right? Does all this stuff. All these things, she supports her family. She's not afraid. It's the word says, like, she's not afraid of snow, right? Because she can work with her hands and she buys a field and gets the fruit from it. But look at this. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. So ladies, are you one who, who do all these things? You work with your hands, you support your family, you, you stand, you know, it says that her husband is known within the gate amongst the elders and all this. But are you one who has the law of kindness or the, one translation says the ministry of kindness on your tongue? Is that where you are? 
because it's so, yeah, it's men too, right? It's just, this is about a woman. So, but it's so easy to do all the things that we should do, but take it, you know, not do in here. And what the word says, what comes out of here is coming from here, right? Out of your mouth comes the overflow of the heart, the abundance of the heart. Just to prove it's everybody, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 24. Do you have the amplified version on there, Kelly? No? Okay. You can put it up here. I'm going to read it. I like the way it said it here. I don't know. Uh, this is everyone, right? 2 Timothy 2, 24. The servant of the Lord must not participate in quarrels, but must be kind to everyone, even, I'm sorry, even tempered, meaning controlling your temper, preserving peace or making it last, and must be skilled in teaching, patient, and tolerant when wronged. What's it say up here? No, 24, sorry, 224. There you go. Able to teach, patient, now go to 25. And in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Well, okay, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. So this is talking more about meekness and humility in that second verse. But we are to be tolerant when wronged. And I'm not talking about the tolerant that the world talks about, like we should tolerate everything that comes down the pipe. Because that's what they want us to do. And again, if you're not doing that, then you're not kind. But Jesus showed kindness. Jesus was the one who cried out for those who were literally putting him to death. There were times where he had to correct people, though, too, right? He corrected the Pharisees. He corrected his own disciples. Some people, <laughs> I can only imagine when they were, you know, they were in the boat, and it was about to sink, and the wind and the waves were carrying on, and they said, what, they woke him up. And he said, Lord, don't you care that we're about to die? The man was asleep, right? They're already accusing him. He woke up. He rebuked the winds and the waves. And then what did he say? He said, you have little faith. How long do I have to bear with you? Right? That doesn't sound like a super kind thing. I'd be like, I bet Peter talking, like that was justified, right? I mean, we were about to die. So I don't know why he's saying that we're of no faith. What were we supposed to have faith in? Supposed to have faith in him. And so sometimes he had to, add, he had to do this correction, but he still showed the ministry of kindness. He still sat with sinners even when it wasn't popular. In fact, it was so not popular that because he sat with sinners and he ate with sinners and things like that, they decided to call him one. They decided to lump him into that same basket. So the question is like, who do we go to? Who do I go to? I'll put it on me. Who do I go to? Do I go to the ones who really need me, right? I don't know who that person was that came in Monday. I don't even know if anybody here knew them, but somebody, praise God, somebody ministered to that person when they needed it, when that person who ministered to them didn't have to, when they didn't have to go out of their way. Man, we're so big on not going out of our way, right? We're so big on not going the extra mile, even for each other, guys, and we've got to step up. We've got to step up and go the extra mile. Like when we hear needs, the word says, don't withhold good from those who need it when it's within your power to do it. But it's an inconvenience. And so if the, if the church is going to move in the place we want it to move or we want the, you know, that the Lord wants it to move in, we have to learn how to be people who go out of our way for one another. When you hear a need, try to take care of the need or try to find somebody who can. That's kindness. 
you don't have to. Like, you don't have to go and do this. Some, if you just sit back and wait, somebody will fill that need or that person just won't get the need filled. But it could be you, right? The Lord could look down and be like, Blake, he'll do it. I'm gonna call Blake to do it because I know he will do it, you know? Or, or whoever, if you're that person. If you're not, he ain't coming to you. I don't know about you, but I'll give my whole life to be used in the calling that the Lord has for me. Whatever that looks like. God, just show me. Just tell me. Whatever it is, I'll leave my place of work right now if that's what you're calling me to. If you're going to put me into something that I've been called to do from the foundation of the world, what else could I possibly want more than that? How else can I possibly be used in a better way than how you've called me to be used for my entire life? For this is the purpose that I was born in this world, to serve you doing what you've called me to do. Amen? Amen. Um, going on to goodness. Romans 2, 1 through 7. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Um, we sing a song. You might remember the name of it, babe. I can never remember songs. It's, um, your kindness leads me to repentance. Your kindness leads me to repentance. It's way off, wasn't it? Wow. She did this. So, whatever. Does the words are right. So that says kindness, but the word, I don't know who wrote that song, but it's still great. But the word says this, therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. This is Romans 2, verse 1. Whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge and practicing the same things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? I've often said, you know, normally when I'm, when I'm, asked to take up the offering and stuff, I'm almost immediately, usually, reminded of his goodness, right? Because I'm getting ready to, I'm getting ready to talk about money, provision, that kind of thing, and it almost always makes me think, man, God's so good. What's the word say? Taste and see that he is good. How are we going to see if we don't taste, right? But I'm almost always reminded of his goodness, and I've had this thing for a few years now. It's a word thing. I don't know. Sometimes I get caught up on words where, um, I forget who it was, but somebody, you know, years ago was talking to me about how, how good their French fries were, right? And it hit me, I was like, good. Wait a minute, I remember a guy coming to Jesus in the Bible and saying, good teacher, tell me what I must do to inherit the kingdom of God. And he didn't answer that question right away. He said, good, why do you call me good? There is none good, save the Father. And I was like, man, if he's not good then them french fries really aren't good, right? Because his definition of good is different than our definition of good. Unfortunately, we use good and love, like, oh, I love these. That's why you'll never hear me say, oh, man, I love this pizza, because I love my wife. That pizza's not equal to my wife. So I try to use a different word, and that's just me. I'm not condemning anyone. But the point is, learn what good is, because the 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 Bible says what good is, but the world doesn't really know. If they did, 
when you came to their door and were talking about Christ and they're not saved, they would recognize, oh, this is a good thing. Not, uh, they woke me up for this. You know, I had a lady get mad at me one time that, you know, I woke her up. She worked third shift. I know. Woke her up. And she was, she was somewhat kind, but you could tell she was like, I don't really want to get up for this. Why did you come here for this? She didn't realize I was trying to give her a good thing. I was trying to talk to her about the Lord. So understand, his goodness is what leads us to repentance. I got saved when I was uh, 17 years old. And unfortunately, I was one of the people in the world who someone couldn't just talk to and be kind to and nice to and tell me all the good things. I was like the lady, right, who, who didn't want to hear it. So he had to use a different form of goodness. His, his goodness came a little harsher, but ultimately it's still good because that's what gave me eternal life, right? So the form of goodness might be a little different than what the world wants to see, but if you know what you're offering people and you're offering them the goodness of God, it will lead to repentance. By the way, this isn't the only thing that leads to repentance. The word says godly sorrow will lead to repentance too. So sometimes people have to go there like me. Romans 3, 21 through 26 I'll just read it real quick. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all those who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is just proof that he is good. It's like I was, it was hitting me while I was praying earlier. I've often thought, especially when I first got saved, I was still running around you know, habitually, I was running around with, with sinners. I didn't really know, I didn't really know what I had found. I didn't really know who I had found. I knew, you know, my whole family was saved. They'd been praying for me for a long time. I was still, you know, doing some things in the world, carrying on and whatnot. And that was kind of the life I knew. So that's kind of what I kept doing, but I took something with me. I got legitimately saved. So I'd be at parties and stuff, uh, you know, drinking, things like that, being just totally out there, but have a whole room full of people who I was talking to about God. And I didn't even know who he was. I just knew he was real. And you see people start lighting up. People's faces just start glowing. They were interested. They all would get quiet and listen. And we were in a, a totally demonic atmosphere, right? Totally addicted atmosphere where we didn't come there for that. I, hadn't, I knew that I had found something good. I just didn't know who he was. And then that didn't last very long because the Holy Spirit's good at his job and he convicts of sin, right? So then I realized, hey, I can't do this. You guys got to come with me. And a few of them came with me and got saved and baptized, but um, most of them still aren't. But I would think of that and I would think, why? Why did you, you pick me, right? He picks everyone, okay? He does say few are chosen, but his I should say his desire is for everyone, Right? The word says he doesn't desire any man should be perished, but all should be saved. So we all have equal opportunity. Amen. Can we agree to that at least? Hallelujah. But there was a yes in here somewhere. I didn't know it. My family didn't know it, even though they prayed for it. But God knew it out of his goodness. And because I wasn't the type that would just listen and obey, he had to do it the hard way. He's doing it the hard way with some of us but it's because of us, right? I'm sitting here telling you it doesn't have to be that way. For your kids, it doesn't have to be that way. They don't have to. My dad told me years ago before I got saved, he said, Jude, there's a lot of hard, hardship you're gonna go through if you don't give your heart to the Lord, but you don't have to. 
You don't have to go through all that. You can just do it right now, right? And we know that hardship doesn't necessarily end when we meet Christ because just like mom used to say, yeah, Jude, you don't meet the devil until you meet God. That's what she used to tell me. Because the, the more you grow in the Lord, the more into war you become skilled and actually you know, talking to people about Christ when you save one. The word says he who, who wins souls is wise. And when you save one, you catch the attention of the enemy. You're going to catch the attention of the enemy when you start talking about Jesus with sinners. And that's all right. But I'm telling you, with your kids, your family, your sisters, sons, they don't have to go through this. You got to talk to them. We should be more passionate about our family being saved than we are about the Super Bowl or whatever is going on in the world, right? Sorry for Super Bowl people. Anything like that. If you're passionate about something, be passionate about souls. Tell them about the goodness of God. You've experienced it. And if you're here and you haven't experienced it, it's time. It's time. He's been waiting. It's all he does. He just waits. He waits. He convicts. And he pours out his spirit. He's ready for you. You're no surprise to him. Remember, he, there's a song that says, you knew what you were getting into when you called me. <laughs> Amen. I've been a hard one. I'm telling you, talk to my wife. I've been tough. Talk to my mom next time she's here. But he knew what he was getting into when he called me. He knew what he was getting himself into when he called you to repentance. Amen. All right, let's keep going. Almost done. Don't forget that just because the world doesn't always see what goodness is, some will be offended by your goodness. There's a scripture in the word, and I, we don't have to go there, but you've all heard it. It's uh, the parable of the man who went into the marketplace and, and gathered people who were sitting around and said, come and work in my vineyard. You know, he went out at this hour and got some, and then he went a few hours later and got some. And at the end of the day, he went and he got some that only worked one hour. And what happened? He lined them all up, and it says he gave them all the same pay. Praise God. Praise God that I'm 36 and I get the same pay Tom gets who's been serving the Lord for 80 years, right? Or however long. The brother's worked hard over the years. He's put time into knowing the Lord. We get the same reward. <laughs> we all get Christ. Praise God. The newborns, right? The newborns get the same reward. And I'm happy about it. But the world doesn't always understand it, right? Because the ones who worked all day said, whoa, whoa. We've been here all day. We've borne the heat of the day and, and, and in the field, and these have only worked one hour. And what did the master say? He said, did I not make an agreement with you for this much? And isn't what's in my hand my right to do with what I will? I haven't done any evil to you. I've done good. And so the world may be offended by your goodness. It goes like this today. Uh, see, I, had a, I have a friend who... It was tough because uh, he, he's a super giving guy, right? And so you got to be careful what you say around him because if you're like, oh, man, I, that's a nice tie. You know, he's a, he's a sharp dresser, right? I went to his house once. I was like, man, that's a really nice tie. He said, you like that tie? Yeah. He said, that's your tie. He took it off and gave it to me. I was like, I wasn't asking for your tie. You know what I mean? I was just saying that that was nice, right? But it was in his heart to be good. It was in his heart. The goodness was there. And so my brother went to Africa uh, years ago on a mission trip, and he said they do that over there. I don't, know, I don't know where at in Africa, but wherever he was at, apparently they told my brother and the, the crew that he was with, don't compliment people's things here. 
because that's what they'll do. They'll take the shirt right off their own back and give it to you because that's their culture there. They will, and it's not like they feel, you know, it's a kindness thing. If you say, oh, that's a nice shirt, take that mess off and they give it to you. If only we were like that, right? If only we had to be careful how much goodness we showed because people would show more goodness back. We're not there, but we're getting there. Amen. But some will be offended. Anyway, it goes like this. Uh, If you say, uh, I have a need, right? And then somebody offers to fill your need. And then somebody else hears about your, maybe somebody who had the same need or just somebody who wants to talk about you. And they say, I can't believe you took that. Like if I say, man, our car broke down. I really need $1,000 to fix it. And somebody provides that need. Some people, the church, no, not the real church, but some people will say, I can't believe you took that money from them. Like you took their money, right? Because they've got the heart of the first man who said, we've been here all day and we've borne this heat. And yet you gave them that. Why? Because they didn't get more. The men didn't get more. They thought they deserved more. And the fact is, (laughs) we don't deserve anything. We're given everything that we have. So I'm saying all that because you can't be afraid to be good because of what people will say. You can't be afraid to accept goodness because of what people will say. I had to learn that lesson early on when we basically had nothing. We had you know, two nickels to rub together, and my parents and her parents would always give us money. Right? They'd be like, you guys need this. And here I am, this you know, new husband with new baby. I got this job. You know, and I'd say, oh, we're, we're good. And the Lord said, why do you say that? He'd like, why do you, why do, you do that? You're not good. You need that. You ha- or I'd say, yeah, we're good. We don't need that. Yes, you do. Be able to accept goodness. Some of you don't think you're worthy of accepting goodness. And the fact is, none of us are. I was born into sin just like you were. I was only saved because of his goodness. Amen? Just let it here. Let it happen. Let me just say it like that. If there's goodness that God's trying to throw your way and put in your life, let it happen. And then you can thank him for it. That's what he's after. He's got unsearchable storehouses in heaven that he can pull from. And if not, he'll create some more. Read Job. He'll create some more. He will, he's got storehouses he can pull from all day to give you goodness. He's able to take on every burden that you have, multiply the seed, and give you a hundredfold back. He's able to settle all of your needs if you let him. If you fight him, if you have pride, guess what? You don't get it. The word says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's why we see him interacting like he did with the Pharisees because they were proud. But if they would have just come to him and said, we're wrong, we do need you. I guarantee you he would have poured grace out upon them, but they wouldn't receive it because they were proud. Let it go. Accept that goodness from the Lord. Moving on. Last one, Psalm 107. If, by the way, if you look through Psalms, read through Psalms, they're, the vast majority of them are basically all about the goodness of God. So this is, a, this is one I like really well. Psalm 107, verse 1. It's almost Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. (laughs) His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north, from the south. 
They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Don't we all know, don't we all know that he's good enough to bring water in a dry place? Man, I'm telling you, that was hitting me. One of the songs are coming. I was like, man, dry places. We walk through these dry places where we don't feel the spirit of God, but he has the power to bring water from something as dry as a rock, not only dirt and dust on the ground that's loose, but a hard rock that's been hardened by the dryness. There's, there's very little water in a rock. Apparently there are water in rocks, but there's very little. I've never seen it, but there is some, and he has the power to create it anyway. They wandered in the wilderness, a desolate way, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. He led them forth by the right way that they might go into a city for a dwelling place. Skip on down to 21. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. The fruit of the Spirit is not just there for us to read about. It's not just there for us to know the scripture. Oh, there's, the nine, oh, there's nine fruit. Oh, it's great. Matters not if you know it or not. Jesus, or the word says that he'll write his word on the, on the tables of your heart. But there's really no scripture that I can think of. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Kylan, but that says, hey, your job is to memorize all this word. No, your job is to do this word. Your job is to allow him to put it in you and do. And that's what the fruit of the spirit is about. Kindness and goodness. It's great if you know and can sing those and can quote them. It matters not if we don't do them. So we're going to be a church of doing, and I'm telling you, if we allow those to if we do those and allow them to be done in our lives, we're going to go where this church is trying to go. We're going to go where the Lord wants us to go in the spirit. Amen. And that's to a new place closer to him, more about him, learning of him, teaching about him. I, you might even find new things that he's calling you to that you even know you had because we're opening up to whatever he wants. Give him the time he deserves and put in the work because it is work. It is work sometimes. You don't always want to do good. <laughs> You don't always want to be kind, but we're called to. So let's do it together. Amen? Amen? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we give you glory, and we say that you are the only one that's able to teach us these things. You're the only one that's able to put it inside of us to do it. You're the only one that can take an angry man and make him a kind man. You're the only one that can tenderize a heart of stone doesn't matter what our past was like, what our dads were like, what our grandparents were like, who mistreated us and who did us wrong. You're the one who can soften a heart. You're the one who can make us tender. You're the one who can remind us to have patience and kindness and goodness. It's only when we say things like, oh, that just slipped out. Oh, I didn't even think about it. I just did it. You're the one that gives us time to change. You're the one who changes us from the inside. Let your fruit, Holy Spirit, let your fruit be increased in us. Let kindness be increased in us. Let us know more about your goodness so we can display your goodness to the world. 
That's what they're really after, your goodness. They just don't know it. And when we find it, Lord, there's no turning back. When we know what good it is to do, there's no turning back. And it feels, God, it feels so good to, do, to be good, to do goodness. It really does. It pleases us in our hearts when we accomplish goodness in Jesus' name. It lets us know this is what we're called to. So I pray that you would increase in us. Holy Spirit, you're already living in us. You're already dwelling in us. I pray that you increase in us. Let us decrease so you can decrease in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. You can go in peace. Come back Sunday.
Said this reaching moon comes from Galilee. There's something so absurd that you deserve to serve my beauty. I'll kill you. I know I've done my wrong, been wrong, there's something I'll be wrong. I know the girl that's wrong, there's something like this doesn't
of my other sin Is this love or is this hatred flowing out from
Falls on me, should I complain or feel you calling me? And really, catch what you show is my reason to grow. Cause life is more than this moment, you are the light. So when the darkest falls, the greatest height, they never seem so tall. Smile on the face of the bird. You're the flowers at the park in Detroit. Still the birds. 
Still see the sun shine above me. Lord, I love all the ways that you love. 